Hi, I'm Michelle and I'm one of the pastors at Central Vineyard and today I'm continuing our series on Paul's letter to the Ephesian church. But before I start today's message, let's pray. Father, as we position ourselves to hear from you, would you open our hearts, Holy Spirit? that the words you want us to hear would speak loudly into our lives and bring transformation through you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As Steve highlighted when he kicked off the series a couple of weeks ago, context is important. So let's remind ourselves of the setting of this book. Paul is writing to the Ephesian believers, those in the churches that he had planted, people that he knew. And as Paul went on to continue his missionary journeys, he writes to them, reminding them of how they are to live in the immoral culture they find themselves in. In Ephesus, there were a number of different beliefs from those worshipping at the temple of the Greek god Artemis to those who believed they had some sort of special knowledge. There were people living a lifestyle with no boundaries and the culture could have been described as chaotic and the people rather messed up. After starting the letter in the normal way a letter at that time would have begun, Paul, from his prison cell, is passionate and excited as he reminds the Ephesian believers who they were and what the gospel really meant. You can sense the love of the man who, for the churches he had planted. But also you are aware of how God had changed Paul's life. Everything that Paul speaks is a revelation revealed to him through the Holy Spirit. He eagerly wants them to know all that he knows about this amazing God. It's with a similar speed and enthusiasm that Paul carries on through these first few chapters of Ephesians, praying for them, reaffirming their position, that they are seated with Christ, that it's all because of grace, that they were created for a purpose. These first three chapters really focus on the position of the Christian and on what they believe. They express the fullness of the gospel. But before Paul continues the next section of his letter, which focuses more on behaviour and how the Christian practically lives out this life, he prays once again for those in the church. And that's what we're going to look at today. And so if you want to read along, we are going to read Ephesians 3, verses 13 through 21. And as we do, imagine the excitement in which Paul writes and in which these words were first read out to those receiving the letter. So Ephesians 3, starting at verse 13. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit 
in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. As Paul writes, he is giving them a picture of just how big this God that they have come to know really is. He is greater than everything and he can do more than they can comprehend. As we think on this, on the greatness of God, what's our response? Respect, awe, total wonder and amazement? Yes, all of these things. How could we not be stopped in our tracks by such an awesome God? And yet, at the same time, we should not be nervous in approaching him. He is a loving father who is inviting us into relationship. A God who is love itself, not just in what he does, but in who he is. This God, Jesus, the one who rescued us and redeemed us so that we can have relationship with Father. He is the one who wants us to live in the fullness of his love for us. I'm going to read verses 17 through 19 of Ephesians 3 again, this time from the Passion Translation, which is a modern paraphrase that I feel really expresses the extravagance of his love. Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Then you will be empowered to discover what every Holy One experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions, how deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love how enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. The promise for us is that we will experience the life of Christ, that he will dwell in our hearts, that the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of our lives. In his book, Surrender to Love, psychologist and author David Benner writes, Transformation demands more than a momentary experience of love. It demands sufficient basking in this love that being deeply loved becomes the foundation of your identity. He goes on to say, we need to stop searching and see that we are surrounded by the sea of perfect love but we also need to stop our panicky thrashing about in an effort to float. We need to be still, to relax, to sink down, to let go and quieten ourselves. It's then we will know, we will experience who God is. We can be so busy doing life, striving, 
trying to prove ourselves worthy of love, worthy of acceptance. And at times we struggle to receive or we're anxious, sometimes even too anxious to be able to sit still. We see God as being someone who is only pleased when we are doing something to please him. And so we seek to earn his love and affection. We can be so panicky, so fearful of approaching God that we kick and scream like a little child does when they don't want to be picked up. And rather than let the parents settle them, they become even more distraught, even more upset and restless. What I believe God truly wants is our presence. He wants us to be with him, in relationship with him. He wants each one of us to come and sit with him and become so rooted that he is the very source of our lives. And then when times come that are a bit unsteady, when we feel like life is shaking us up, when we're disappointed or when we feel overwhelmed, the foundation of God's love in us calms us. It steadies us. And it gives us a solid base to live our lives from. The love that is described in this passage, if we go back to verse 18 of Ephesians 3, is broad, long, deep and high. Or as the Passion Translation puts it, deeply intimate, far-reaching, enduring and inclusive. It's a love that surpasses knowledge, an endless love that goes beyond our understanding. And that can make it difficult for us to get our heads around. It's a love that needs to be experienced. We can talk as much as we like about what love is and what it means, but there is nothing that can be the experience of being loved. Rather than it be just empty words, love is to be felt, experienced, known at a deep level. The word know in this passage comes from the Greek word gnosko. It's not so much about a knowing of something, but a deep knowing of someone. It's the relational experience and personal interaction. It's not a mentally about mentally acquiring knowledge. In the Vines Dictionary, a helpful resource in giving clarity to Greek and Hebrew words, we read... In the New Testament, gnosko frequently indicates a relationship between the person knowing and the object known. In this respect, what is known is of value or importance to the one who knows. I think this helps us grasp more of what is meant here. What is known is of value or importance to the one who knows. God's heart is for relationship with us. Relationship with us, his children, is important. That's the very essence of the gospel. A father who loved us so much that he sent his only son. And the more we spend time with him, the deeper that relationship grows. I have a friend who heads up a ministry in Scotland that focuses on our relationship with God as his sons and daughters and knowing his heart for us. And in the book he wrote that details the story of his life, I was struck by the phrase that love can sometimes be a visitor rather than a resident. 
develop a deeper loving relationship with a generous loving father we need to open our lives to him we need to let him in and make his home in our hearts we can't expect to walk in his love on a daily basis if all we do is let him visit us for short periods i encourage you to open your hearts and let him take up residence there and as we spend time in his presence, as our relationship with him grows and our experience of his love grows, we will live from a place of being loved. And the result of knowing that we are loved is that we become more loving. As Steve mentioned when he opened this series, any behaviour modification we consider needs to flow out of our identity in Christ. It's in knowing who we are that leads us to full maturity. If we know we are loved, our character, the way we act, what we say will be more loving. We read in Luke 6 that the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil because out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. If you pour water into a cup and keep pouring until it overflows, water will pour out. The same goes for love. Keep allowing the Holy Spirit to fill you with the love of God and love will flow out. It's because he first loved us that we can love others. And loving others is how we show his love to them. One of the books I've been reading recently is The Good Life by Derwin Gray, an American pastor. It's a journey through the Beatitudes, which we are, gonna, which we are planning on doing a series on later this year. In the opening chapter, he says, a fully transformed human is one who can love God, self and neighbour through God's presence and power and by participating in the eternal kind of life of Jesus. But before we rush into thinking how best we can love others, before we get caught up in the mentality that serving God means he's, he'll be pleased with me, let me ask you a question. Where are you at God loving you? Do you let him close? How full is the container of love inside you? Are you running on empty? Do you feel like there's a hole in the container and you quickly start feeling like you're out of love? Things start okay, you start with the knowledge that you're loved, but quickly it drains away. Maybe you have no experience of the love of God, not in any real way, or you've closed yourself off, put up a protective barrier, or convinced yourself that God couldn't love you. Or maybe you know the richness of God's heart for you. Why stop there? Wherever you are, God wants you to know he loves you, and there is always more to know, to experience of his love. This morning is an opportunity to invite God in, even just a little bit. In a moment, we are going to pray and I encourage you to ask God to come a little closer. 
and let you experience a little more of his love for you. If you want someone to pray for you and you're watching this live on the Church Online platform, please hit the prayer request button or ask a friend to pray for you or drop the office an email. But let's spend a moment soaking in God's love for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you that your love, as we've read in Ephesians, is deeply intimate, far-reaching, enduring and inclusive. And you want to freely pour this extravagant love into our hearts today. As we rest in your presence, let us know deep down what it means to be loved by you. Where we feel empty, come and fill us where we long for more of you, a deeper knowing of you, a deeper experience of you. Let us know we can always come to you and ask for more. We trust in you, God, knowing at the very centre, you are a God of love and you are able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. And so we open our hearts to you now. Be with us. Remain with us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.